this morning comes from Luke chapter 15, verses 1 through 3 and 11 through 32. Listen for the word of God. Now all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all he had and traveled to a distant country, and there he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent everything, a severe famine took place throughout that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating, and no one gave him anything. But when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough and to spare, but here I am, dying of hunger? I will get up and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran and put his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, Quickly, bring out a robe, the best one, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. And get the fatted calf and kill it. And let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He is, was lost and is now found. And they began to celebrate. Now his elder son was in the field. And when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, Your brother has come, and your father has killed the fatted calf because he has got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. But he answered his father, Listen, for all these years I have been working like a slave for you, and I have never disobeyed your command. Yet you have never given me even a young goat so that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice, because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. 
I love this story because it challenges all of us. It's kind of fun to figure out who you are in this story. Have you ever thought about that, who you are in this story? How many of you are the older brother, the one who was always responsible? Don't you get just a little bit ticked off at the younger, you know, younger brother? If you're the prodigal, I won't make you raise your hand. I don't know if you've ever been dad and been the one to welcome. But this story was told because Jesus was reaching out to people. Jesus was reaching out to the wrong people. Aren't we known by the company we keep? How many of us have told our kids, you don't want to hang out with those kids? Because that is the group over there that's going to get you into all the kind of behaviors. And that's actually, quite frankly, good advice for the most part. It really is. But if we think we are better than other people, then we have an issue. The scribes and the Pharisees are saying, you're eating with tax collectors and sinners. What are you thinking? So he tells the story. A father has two sons. And the younger son, who's going to inherit one-third of what the older, you know, half of what the older son's going to inherit, is tired of waiting for the old man to die so he can get his inheritance. And he says, divide your property now so that I may go and live my life while I'm young. And the father does. Now, first of all, are you thinking, what just happened? You know, what father is going to say, okay, I'm going to put my entire estate in jeopardy and let you do this? But he does. And he gives one, you know, basically one-third to the younger son. And the younger son goes out and he blows it on dissolute. I love the, the euphemisms here. Dissolute living. You know, you know what he's talking about. And nowadays, it'd be fast cars, fast women, drugs, sex, alcohol, the whole shebang. And then, a, and then a famine comes, and, you know, he's got nothing. And his money's gone. And the famine doesn't cause him to think, I really screwed up. I was a real dumb, you know what. I have really, you know, I, I, I need to repent of my ways. He's thinking, even the slaves in my father's household eat more than I do. Now, Nick, you will love this part. Can we turn this down just a little bit more? So, a kosher animal, a pig is not. Good Jews do not touch pigs because they are unclean. Now, he's a child of Abraham, a descendant of Jacob, and his job is to feed the pigs, which means he's touching the pigs and the pigs are touching him, which means that he's perpetually unpure, you know, for ritual purposes. So, he has the ignominy of feeding a non-kosher animal he's not allowed to eat. And he's thinking, I wish I could eat what they ate. So, he thinks to himself, and listen to what he says. He says, I will tell my father this. I'm, I'm going to come up with, in my mind, the good story. Father, it doesn't say I've sinned against you. Listen to this. 
doesn't say, I've sinned against you. Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am not fit to be called your son. Now, it's interesting that his father, when he comes back, is eager to welcome him in. But the father doesn't chase him down. How many of you have done that? I've seen so many parents who go chasing after, chasing after, and all they end up doing is pushing their kids further and further and further away. The point of the story is not we chase our children down, but when they return, you say, ah, welcome. So the younger brother's rehearsing this story. I'm not sure he feels any guilt whatsoever. He just feels dumb and hungry. And the father sees him from a distance, and he, and he runs to him, and he embraces him, and the, and, the, and the son says, you know, Father, I have sinned against you, and I have sinned against heaven, and before you, I'm not, you know, he says, you know, tells the servant, give him the best robe, put a ring on his finger, kill the fatted calf, and, you know, roll up the carpet, call the neighbors, and we're having a party. Meanwhile, the older son is where? He's working. He's in the field. Everything his father has basically now is going to come to him. But if you've ever been on a farm, you need a certain amount of territory, you need a certain amount of livestock, you need a certain amount of land to make it work. If your farm is too small, you are going to fail. When the younger son sold, I mean basically took what he had, he put everything the elder son had in jeopardy. He probably had to work all the harder and his dad never so much as gave him, threw him a party, a sweet 16 party. You know, James, you're sweet 16. I don't know if you were ever sweet 16. Were you ever sweet 16? I was really excited. I, I hit something I shouldn't have hit. I said... I picked, I picked fun of a musician. God doesn't like that. Never make fun of musicians in a sermon. Note to self. <laughs> the elder brother is just flat out what? He's ticked. It's like, I've done everything right my whole life. I've never asked you for a thing, and yet you've never thrown me a party. You've never so much as given me a nice ring for my finger. And he says, son, 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 everything I have is yours. But your brother who was dead is now alive. He who was lost is found. And this, I think, is a central image of Scripture. There is something that is actually worse than dying, and that is just being lost. There is something better than being, um, you know, alive, and that is to be found. When you are found, when you are really found, if you've ever had that moment of just being found. And the older brother is so angry, and I gotta, I, I'm, I'm with the older brother here. You know, first of all, the old man put everything I have in jeopardy. And now he's throwing a party, and I'm not happy about it. 
And that's where we find ourselves. And we have these ideas and these, uh, you know, and I'm sure the mother who died had done something in her life at one point to tick somebody in her family off. I'm just guessing. And yet, do you think any of that mattered when she had an aneurysm and died? No. We stand outside the party. This is what the scribes and the Pharisees were doing. They were watching people who had taken advantage of the Hebrew people and they had cheated and they had lived horrible lives and suddenly they had said, maybe we want to be different. And Jesus is saying, come eat with me and we're having a party because the lost have been found. And sometimes what we do is we step back and we say, that's wrong. You sin, someone's got to pay. Isn't that what we think? If God is just, there needs to be justice. And when you squander your family property, the just thing to do is not to throw the guy a party. Especially when there's really no indication he's truly repented, right? And maybe that's what God does. That's the scandal of this story. God says, we're having a party because this family is filled with people I love. And my brother, your brother, my son, who was lost, is found. Everything I have from now on is yours. He's going to go out and work in the field. <laughs> but it's all for you. We self-exclude sometimes, don't we? We put ourselves out and say, if my brother repents, then I'll accept him. If my mom, who is an alcoholic, comes to me and says, I'm sorry, I drank at the formative years of your life, I didn't pay attention to you, if my mother says that, then... I will say, you are my mother. If your kid who ran away and did all the things that you warned them not to do, remember the father doesn't say, you know, I did kind of tell you. And that's the hardest part. I told you so. The money's not going to last. It's not going to work out the way. doesn't say any of that. doesn't say any of that. How many of us see that there's a party that God is throwing? And we don't want to be part of it because someone's inside that didn't earn the right to be there. I got to tell one, one more joke. It, um, my, my favorite Hebrew scripture teacher in seminary had the picture of Moses and um, and Jesus, and it was basically, we get our, our salvation the old-fashioned way, we earn it, you know. And, and sometimes there is a sense that the, the, the great thing about the, 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 the Jewish tradition is that there are mitzvot, there are, there are acts of righteousness and, and thing, requirements of the law that you do, and it just makes the world a better place. If you do these things, everything works better. 
The, the problem is what happens if you don't? Are you rejected? And sometimes the answer is, no, of course not. You know, you're accepted back in, and now let's remind you of the things that you didn't do before. But do you have to do all the right things to be accepted? Are there people that don't come here because they feel like they don't have a right to? And the answer to that question is yes. There are people who say, if you knew what I had done in my life, you would not want me here. And I like to say, if you knew who we were, you wouldn't worry. Not that we're not good people, but we know what's going rattling around in our brains. I mean, I have a, at my last church, I had a man who, who dropped uh, bombs in, in um, you know, Vietnam from 30,000 feet. And he's haunted to this day because he was above everything. He never saw the explosions. He never saw the carnage. But he knew what his payload was. And he knows what happens when those things hit the ground and they explode. And to this day, he's haunted by how can God love me when I sat in the safety of a cockpit, dropping bombs on people I've never met, and killing the children of God? And he struggled with that. He's 80-some years old right now, and he continues to struggle with that. And yet he knows he belongs in church. The younger brother self-excluded himself from his family. He ran away. The older brother says, I'm not going into that party because my brother doesn't deserve to be there. Are we going to be better than that? Are we going to look at our family and say, you are my family? You're my family in Christ. You're my biological family. You're this, you're that. And ultimately, there's going to be a time when, God forbid, somebody has an aneurysm or they get cancer and they get hit by a bus, and it is now too late to say, I was an idiot. I love you. My brother, my mother, my son, my whatever who was lost is found. The one who was dead is alive. How can we not throw a party? That's the challenge of the gospel. That's why everyone is welcome. And that's good news. Amen.